Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that we have this opportunity to gather to express our thanksgiving for all that you have done, and particularly the most dear blessing that is ours is the gift that you've given to us through your Son and our Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your willingness to be forever associated with human nature, human body, and experiencing pain and tiredness, rejection, willingly laying down your life as a once-for-all perfect sacrifice to pay for our sin. Father, we are lacking in fitting words to describe the joy and the thankfulness that we have because of your great gift. Help us now as we consider your word and meditate therein that true joy would well up from within us and as a result that we would demonstrate to a world that's looking the perfect work that Jesus Christ has accomplished and offer to them life eternal through him. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you remember the births of your children? Can you remember? I can remember. And I can remember from very, some very distinct and vivid memories and vivid moments. I can remember at the birth of our first, Lexi, the doctors taking her off into a, a small room at the back of the birthing room. And we were waiting, waiting for her to cry. And it was taking longer than this impatient father uh, would like it to have. And finally, she cried. Finally, she cried. And then finally, after uh, a bit of time, they brought her out wrapped in cloths. We call them burrito babies. We had our first little burrito baby, the little head sticking out, and just like this stiff bundle. And I remember holding her tight and, and like just in, in wonder over what the Lord had given to us. And I remember um, singing with those that were part of our family that were in the room, Jesus loves you. Uh, and that was a sweet memory. We did that with all of our children. Um, I remember doing that with Drew. He and I were in a room by ourselves because it was a C-section. And so I was in there with my naked boy on the scale it was like, huh? And I, but I, I sang quietly because I didn't want the people to hear. Unfortunately, they heard me anyway. Um, but, uh, but with each, each of your children, the experience is a little bit different. But with each of them, the same type of joy ensues. The same type of joy exudes from, from your being. And you recognize that the Lord has blessed you with a, a little life to love to share, and to steward. 
And you have this little, little soul that needs to know the joy of salvation. If you think about the days that follow the birth of your child and you encounter someone that you know, what do you say? Well, the weather is mighty fine today. The Patriots lost again or won again or the Red Sox won or lost. Or, is, that, is that the topic of conversation after those days? Or, or might you have something else that you want to share with them? Hey, I had a baby. My wife gave birth to, to a, a girl. My wife gave birth to a boy. Whatever the case may be, there's, there, you have something to say because you're excited about the joyous gift that you've been given. It's the same with everyone, or most people. In subsequent conversations with people, how often do you talk about your child? Regularly, right? You talk about their growth and what they're doing and what they're planning to do. For most of us, this is a regular conversation. Why? Because your life, your life has been marked. It's been marked by the arrival of this blessing of the Lord. At the arrival, before and after, of the Lord Jesus, we can see Luke recording the impact of this promised Messiah, this promised Savior that would come. You can see the joy of the people that Luke is describing. First of all, we're in Luke chapter 1. Look, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And and Elizabeth had some things to say. In verse 42 of Luke chapter 1, it says, And she exclaimed, With a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so there's joy in Elizabeth. And then you, the next moment, most likely, this is how the record reads, Mary has something to say. In verse 46, Mary said, My soul does what? Magnifies the Lord. And my spirit does what? Rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He he has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. And He spoke to our fathers, or as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. So we, we see this joy and rejoicing. And then you follow a little further and you see Zechariah's response after his son is born. He names him John. You're very well aware of this. Let's pick up what 
Zechariah had to say in verse 67, Luke 1, 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. He had a lot more to say, but this is the idea. You can see this excitement, this this joy welling up at the birth of John the Baptist, but he knew that John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah Himself, the Savior who was to come and ransom Israel. Look at chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. You have the record of Jesus' birth in the first seven verses. You can read it in verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all. All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so the angel appears to the shepherds, these outcasts. People don't like dirty, stinky shepherds. And the angel comes to the shepherds and says, I want to tell you the good news about the Christ, the Messiah, who is the Lord, the Master. He's a Savior. There's good news of great joy. And then the angels have this to say in Verse 13, we have the setup in verse 14, their actual proclamation. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of, heaven, of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And of course, your more familiar reading is what we had in our bulletin. That's why I put it in the more familiar reading in the bulletin because how often do you read it that way? Well, maybe you read it like that a lot, but I'm used to this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. We have this proclamation of praise, this proclamation of joy. This doesn't come from one angel. This comes from a multitude of the heavenly host. And so we have, we have Elizabeth rejoicing at the coming of Jesus and Mary rejoicing at the coming of Jesus and Zechariah rejoicing at the coming of Jesus. And you have the angels rejoicing at the coming of Jesus. We read a little bit further. Now the the shepherds are going to share that joy. Verse 16, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Will you read verse 
20, the rest of it with me. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And so we have the shepherds now rejoicing. Last week we talked about Simeon uh, quite a bit, and so we're just going to touch on what he had to say. Look at verse 25, Luke 20, excuse me, Luke 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So that's the context. Verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said to him, about him, excuse me, Verse 30 is really, the, to me, it's, the, it's the, the punchline. My eyes have seen your salvation. Well, who was this one that was the salvation? What was the little boy that he was holding in his arms? This Jesus is the salvation, the salvation from God. We're talking this morning about the joy of salvation. No one has to tell you to be joyful at the birth of your child. It happens. Your child is born, and you have great joy. It's it's the natural consequence of having a child. There's joy in your heart. This is typical, anyway. No one has to tell you to have joy in your heart at the salvation that God has offered to you. If you've experienced salvation from God, no one has to tell you, hey, be joyful now. Be joyful about that salvation. Well, let's get on it now. I don't see enough joy in you. It it is a wellspring bubbling up within us. This is what Jesus told the woman at the well. I can give you something that will make you never thirst again. (laughs) Here I am. Come to know me. You'll never thirst again. I am the well that keeps on hydrating you. That's what real joy is. comes from the Lord. Now we we move to this last character that we're going to talk about. And her name is Anna. Verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's just talk about this scenario for a moment. I'm telling you right now, this is not going to be long. Okay. First of all, we will notice Anna is a historical figure. She has a dad, and she comes from a tribe. Her dad is Fenuel, and she comes from the tribe of Asher. She's a historical figure. Her name means grace. Her name means grace. Favor. Gift. Secondly, she was not exempt from turmoil, this historical figure. She was advanced in years, 
an older lady, and she lived with her husband for seven years from the time she was a virgin. So from a young girl, she lived with her husband for seven years, then he died, verse 37, then as a widow until she was 84. So she, she has known turmoil in her life. Turmoil comes from the hand of God. Don't mistake it. Don't look at yourself as having had bad luck. Life has dealt me a, a rotten set of cards. Oh, as chance would have it, blah, blah, blah. No. No. Friend, you've got to know this. From beginning to end, your life is ordered by the one who rules over everything. And that means the difficulties. That means the turmoil. And our lives are marked by the difficulties that we experience. They form us. And one of the things that difficulty does for us, if, if we respond properly, is it loosens our grip on this life. Think about it, friends. I've got all these things. I like you know, my things, and I like my, my, my little family, and I like my little life and all the things that are going on. I've got all of this, and, and if, I can, if I can order myself in such a way I can enjoy all these things, but sometimes life doesn't work out quite as neatly as we anticipate. And we start to recognize, I might want to enjoy what God has given me while I have it, recognizing that I might not have all these things forever. He loosens our grip on this life and helps us to realize that there's something more. Some people, when tragedy hits their lives, they run to something to try to fix it. And it never works. Anna ran to the one that gave her life and ordered adversity into her life. She ran to him. So here she is. She's a historical figure. She's not exempt from turmoil. Anna was dedicated to the God of Israel. She was dedicated to the God of Israel. Verse 37, the second part of the verse. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She may have lived in one of the priestly apartments, or this could just be an expression of how regularly she was there. It's like she never left. We don't know, and it really doesn't matter whether she lived there or whether she was just there early to late. It's not really the point. The point is that she was in this pattern of life where she was dedicated to the God of Israel, her God. Despite the turmoil that she experienced, her hope was not diminished. This is why night and day she worshipped the Lord with both prayer and fasting. Because she, she knew to whom she should go. She worshipped God continually. This should not be undervalued. We have people that are praying saints. I talk to you and I listen. I listen to you praying saints. I'm praying for this and I'm praying for that and I'm praying for this one. And I, and I, and I see it. I know. I, 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 I can experience the benefits of 
those who are dedicated to the Lord and to the Lord's way. And one of the ways that they demonstrate their dedication to the Lord is that they are continuously offering to God intercession on behalf of the saints. We cannot and should not undervalue this. What a blessing this is. And Anna was just one of those saintly women. She gave herself to the Lord and she interceded for the people of God. Anna was also a mouthpiece for God. She was a mouthpiece for God. Look at the beginning of this section, verse 36. This is how she's introduced. And there was a prophetess, Anna. There was a prophetess, Anna. Not much is said here. It just is brought to our attention. No developing of the thought. So we have to develop it based upon our understanding of Scripture. Prophets had two related activities to perform. They were involved in either or both. So two, one, two, or both. One or the other or both of these things. Foretelling. This is the one that we're more familiar with, right? Uh, someone says, this will take place before it happens. They're expecting something. They, they've received revelation from the Lord. This is going to happen, and then it takes place. Foretelling. This is our common understanding of a prophet or a prophetess. And then there's a second one, and it's actually the one that's more regularly used. Forth-telling. Someone that is speaking forth the truth that God has already revealed. There's nothing, nothing um, predictive about it. It's just God has said, and here we are. I believe the text here would indicate more of the latter than the former. More forthtelling than foretelling. And the reason I say that is verse 38. It says, And coming up at that very hour. What very hour? What was going on? What did Luke just say? He said that Simeon took Jesus up into his arms and was proclaiming, my eyes have seen thy salvation. And just at that moment, Anna comes up. Hey, this is good news. And what does she do as she hears Simeon proclaiming, My eyes have seen your salvation. It says in verse 38 that she began to give thanks to God. And she began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, he uses an imperfect tense. An imperfect tense is used here by the author, Luke, to indicate something as someone who's journaling an event. He's talking about something that took place already when he wrote it. She began but he's writing it in the present tense. Like, this is not just a, for a second, a, a momentary issue. What he's saying is, at that moment, when she heard the, the voice of Simeon proclaiming the salvific work through Jesus, she began at that moment and kept on doing what? Giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God, she began to do this. What's another term for continually giving thanks about something? 
Would rejoicing work? I'm going to go with rejoicing, if you don't mind. Here she is. She comes up. She, she sees and she hears and she is rejoicing. The, the joy of the Lord is filling her a whole being. Why? Because salvation. Salvation has come. The way that Paul talks about salvation in the book of Titus chapter 2. Just listen to what, what Paul said to Titus. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So this joy and grace and salvation brings forth an expectation or rejoicing of the soul. When you think about Christmas, what are we doing? I like to give gifts. I kind of like receiving gifts. It's a happy thing for me. But what is it about? What are we celebrating? Are we celebrating gift giving? Or are we celebrating celebrating something? We're celebrating someone. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. And one of the great things about a joyous celebration is, hey, let's, let's really do this up. We're celebrating Christ. We're not going to hold back. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the commercialization of Christmas and all that other stuff. It's about actual celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the salvation offered by God. So there's this joy that comes. Why was she rejoicing? What was she rejoicing in? God was supplying the salvation that He promised. This salvation is a source of great joy. I want you to listen to a number of Scripture texts. In Psalm 43, now I'll remind you, you take a look at Psalm 43 later. The psalmist is in deep sorrow, and he's distressed. That's the context of Psalm 43. And as he describes to God his, his distress, he breaks forth into praise in verse 4. He says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. The reason the psalmist, in the midst of his distress, broke forth into praise and joy is because God is the salvation giver. He's the redeeming kind of God. And so the psalmist recognizes it. You can see the same type of thing happen in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. And then Habakkuk. You know the distress that's going on in Habakkuk's life. God, what's going on? Your people aren't walking with you. They're not serving you. They're not worshiping you. And, and I don't see any of your judgment. And God says, I will judge them. Hang on a minute. I'm going to judge them through the Chaldeans. Oh God, what are you thinking? Uh, how, how could you judge the, the righteous people? <laughs> you just said we're unrighteous. By a people that are more unrighteous than they are. And God says, don't worry, I'll take care of them as well. And eventually, after he understands who God is, again, he, he, he comes to his senses, essentially. At the end of it, he says, oh, well, if there's no food in my cabinets... He didn't say it that way. He used an agricultural terminology about 
uh, things in the stable. I don't have any food in my cabinets. My, my refrigerator is bare, and I have no money in my bank account. If, if all of this takes place, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The salvation of God is a source of joy, even in the midst of difficulty. This is what Anna knew, and, and this is what we need to know. What God has provided should be a continual source of joy for us. What has He provided? The salvation that comes from Him through Jesus Christ. God has called for this now. He calls for this kind of joy. He says in passages like Philippians 4.4, It says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Again, I will say what? Rejoice. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice. How often? Always. But remember this. Anything that God calls for, He also supplies. You want to have rejoicing in the soul over His salvation. Just know this. It is a fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. He goes on. But the concept that I'm trying to drive home, this concept of joy. But know this, her joy was not without its function. It was not joy for joy's sake. It wasn't joy for joy's sake. Her joy was in her God. And therefore, she explained why she was filled with joy. She began, she began to give thanks to, to God. Yes, so she's a very joyful person. And, it goes on in verse 38, and to speak of Him. To speak of Him. Who? Who Him? Him, God. Or him, Jesus. By the way, God the Father and God the Son are one, so either one she's talking about, we're very happy about, right? She began to speak of him to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. She's speaking of him. This is our example, and it is our charge. As we rejoice in the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we should be seeking an opportunity to speak of the redemption that comes through His life, death, burial, and resurrection. See, she wasn't rejoicing for rejoicing's sake. Well, let's have a party. Let's, let's be really happy. Let's be happy people. And happy people draw other people because they're happy people. Well, that's the, you're going to lose the substance after a little while, right? If you're just happy for happy's sake, something's going to happen and someone's going to step on your happy parade. But if your happiness, your joy, is is based upon a foundation that is unshakable, the salvation that comes from God, found in the Lord Jesus Christ, that joy is a joy that is something you can rejoice in when you're dying on a cancer bed. That is a, a joy that you can have when the person you love most is dying. Because your hope is not in a human being that's created by God. Your hope is based upon God Himself. And so the joy that we have comes from a, an unshakable place. The joy that we have is a result 
of the salvation that should impact our family and friends and our coworkers and our neighbors. What is this joy? The Redeemer has come. The Redeemer has come. You don't need to look for another one. He's already come. And what He has done was to live a perfect life that you and I could never live. And to die as a sacrifice in my place, a kind of death, a kind of saving death that I could never die. If I die for you, I can preserve your physical life in a particular instant. I could never provide for you eternal life. I could never provide for you forgiveness of sin. But Jesus, when He lived His perfect life and laid His perfect life down as a sacrifice, He bore my sin. He suffered in my place. God, because of the perfect work of Christ, takes my sin and removes it from my record. Jesus became sin for us, even though we knew no sin. Why? The rest of the verse in 2 Corinthians 5.21 is, so that I might become the righteousness of God through Him. So at the, at the point that I recognize the effectiveness and the sufficiency of Jesus' death on the cross, and I, and I turn from my sin and I turn to Him, God takes my sin, all of them, and they're removed from my record. They're charged to Him. And at the same time, He takes Jesus' perfect record and places it on my account and it's charged to me. This is why I can stand confidently at the judgment seat. This is why Paul can say there is no condemnation to those who are found in Christ Jesus because Jesus' perfect record is placed on our account. I will stand before Jesus, my judge, without fear. Not because I'm a good person. Not because I don't sin, but because Jesus died in my place for my sin and provided for me a righteousness I could never accrue for myself. This is the gospel. This is a substantive joy, a joy with substance. This is the kind of joy. Now, she was thinking about the redemption of, of Jerusalem. She had some other things in mind. I'm talking to you about salvation, the, the kind of salvation that, that will rescue you from giving account for your sin, instead provide you with righteousness. Have you had all your sins forgiven? Are all your sins forgiven? Has God granted to you perfect, eternal righteousness? Will you spend eternity with God? Yes? Because of Jesus Christ, He is the joy of our salvation. I listen, I listen, and you're still talking about your kids. And you should. They, they might be teenagers, they might be young adults, and some of them might be older than me. I'm glad to hear about your kids. I'm glad to hear about your kids. Because your children have made an an indelible print upon your life. 
You talk about them. Good. Do it. The joy that is ours because of the salvation that has come to us through Jesus Christ is a joy that must be expressed to Him and must be expressed to a world around us. They need to know of the saving work of Jesus Christ and true joy that bubbles up in our soul because of what Christ has done will result in that kind of an overflow. Dear friend, you and I should leave this place. We have this expectation of all the things you have planned over the next few days with family and friends. Great. Enjoy it. Party it up. Enjoy every second of it. But the joy, the unshakable joy of your life must be found in Christ. And that must be spoken about. He, he must be spoken about. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us to rejoice in all You've done for us. Give us this joy. I pray for anyone in this room that's never experienced the joy of knowing that their sins are forgiven, that they have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I pray even today there would be some that would turn from their sin and turn to Jesus and have that wonderful experience of knowing You through knowing Jesus Christ. I pray for every believer in this room. Dear Father, help us to rejoice in You and in Your Son and in the Spirit that You've given to us. And may we share that joy with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.